Some of you are at that phase right now with your kids. Some of you will be there in a few years. Some of you were there decades ago, right? Um, but for those of us who have kids, those of us who have grandkids, uh, nieces, nephews, neighbor kids, um, any kind of relationship with kids where we're kind of directly influencing them, um, we're all at a phase with them. They're, they're at different phases. Um, your family's in a different phase, and that's what this series has been all about. So um, the question that we're trying to ask and the question that we're trying to answer throughout this series is how do you leverage the phase your family is in today to focus on or to keep your focus on God's better story? How do you, how do you make the most of the current season that you're in? How do you leverage it in such a way that you keep your focus, or as Pastor Josh said last week, your attention on God's better story for you and your family? That's the question we're trying to answer throughout the series, because as a church, um, as a leadership team, um, as a board, just our, our philosophy, we believe, we, we truly believe that there are things that you can do today to invest in your kids, to invest in your grandkids, your, your nieces, your nephews, the neighborhood kids that are always coming over to your house. What we truly believe that there are things that we can do here and now, whatever phase you find yourself in, no matter how dysfunctional you think your family is, no matter how much chaos there is outside of your home, no matter how much chaos there is inside of your home, there are things that we can do to influence our kids, to, to help us Keep our focus on God's better story. And, and in week one, if you, if you weren't here for week one, we talked about those different phases in the life of a kid. Uh, last week, Pastor Josh focused on parents stepping into the role of being the primary spiritual influence in the life of their kids. If you missed last week, you need to go back and watch that message. There's so much gold um, in that message. So make sure you catch that. Uh, today, we're going to take another step. And um, I want us to think... And, and focus on the relationships our kids have with people outside the home. What does it look like for us as parents, as grandparents, as aunts and uncles, the primary caregivers? Uh, what are we doing to influence my child's relationship with people outside the home? What are you doing to influence your kids' relationships outside the home? Because see, there's, there's a shift in every parent-child relationship and every parent knows it's coming because it happened with you and your parents. We just don't like to think about it with our kids. We don't think it's going to happen with our kids. But it's going to happen if it hasn't already happened. And what's going to happen is you're going to find yourself as a parent on the outside looking in. And again, some of you are shaking your head because you've been there. You know exactly what this looks like. Whether, um, whether we've been put there by our children or we've made the decision intentionally to step outside and look in. That, that day is coming. I, I experienced this a few years ago, just a real small way. Um, Cole was in second grade at the time, and he came home and he started talking to his mom about this friend at school. And um, in, in the, the part of the conversation that, that um, my ears perked up is when he referred to her as his girlfriend. <laughs> and when I heard that, I thought, Number one, he has no idea what that means. He has, he has no idea what a girlfriend is, and some evil little girl comes along <laughs> and robs my son's innocence, right? But that was, that was the first time that I can remember as a parent 
feeling like I was on the outside looking in, that somebody else had influence over my child, that some girl cast a spell on my son, right? There's, 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 it was just, it was so eye-opening for me, and, and like, we're, we're way, way into that now. Like, it only got worse from that point on. There's so many more influences in, in, in his life and in, in Mason's life, which is just one of the realities of raising kids. Every parent knows someday, somehow, and somewhere will be on the outside looking in. And, and knowing that day is coming, recognizing that day is coming, or recognizing that that day is already here. There's a couple things we can do. We can either be intentional about what we're going to do about that, or what I see too often happen is we hope for the best. We just hope that it works out. But, but we all know from our own experience, like we're adults, We've lived enough life. We're on the other side of this. We know that to hope for the best is not the best option. I mean, just think back to your junior high and high school years. Aren't there some moments where you wish you could go back and tune out certain people in your life? <laughs> like, we could, we could take away some of our biggest regrets if we could just ignore certain voices, certain influences. And at the same time, there's some people that we wish we could go back and tune in and listen to a little bit more carefully in our life. It's because of this principle that we all know, we all understand. Maybe you've never heard it said like this before, but you know your friends determine the direction and quality of your life. Your friends, my friends, our friends determine the direction and quality of our life. The same is true for our kids. And, and again, we've seen that play out in our lives. Maybe you've seen it play out in other people's lives. And it's going to play out in our kids' lives as well. That the people outside of you, outside of you and, and the people who are, are primary, primary influences in their lives, they will determine the direction and quality of their life. So I want to talk about that today. And, and, and I need to admit right up front that I wish I was a little bit further along in my parenting journey than I am right now. I wish I was on the other side of parenting teenagers I wish I had adult children that I could come up here and just say, guys, tell them everything I did wrong and tell them the couple things that I did right. I wish I had that. I wish I had that perspective, but I don't. So what I, all I want to do today is I want to point you to a couple places in Scripture, and then I just want to ask a couple questions that will hopefully help us think about how we can be intentional as parents, as grandparents, as aunts and uncles to be intentional about influencing or helping our kids influence those relationships outside of home. So here's the first one that I want us to look at. It comes from Solomon, the wisest man um, who ever lived. If you know anything about Solomon, he had plenty of children, right? Plenty of times to make this right, do this right, do this wrong. It's all over. But here's, here's what Solomon said about this. He says, walk with the wise and become wise for a companion of fools suffers harm. Like, we, we could paint this on our kids' windows and doors and, and walls, write it down on notes and put it in their lunchbox. Um, we should memorize this and, and say this to our kids in those formative years. Walk with the wise and become wise for a companion of fools suffers harm. It's a guiding principle in, in how you influence your kids' relationship with people outside of the home. And so there's two sections to every proverb. There's two parts to every proverb. I want to start with the second part, and then we'll look at the first part. Second part, a companion of fools suffers harm. By the way, 
this is not just for your kids. Right? Like, moms and dads, adults, this is just as true for us as anybody. You show me somebody who continues to make bad decisions, foolish decisions, they're more than likely surrounded by foolish people. It's, it's just kind of how it happens. This applies to adults just as much as it does to our kids. But I want to take it. I want to apply it specifically to our kids and the relationship that they have outside of the home. So uh, the Hebrew word for companion comes from a similar word for shepherd. And shepherds spend a lot of time around their sheep, right? So this isn't necessarily about shunning people that are foolish. It's not about isolating yourself from them completely. It's about making sure they aren't the closest friends, like, like Jesus in the New Testament, Jesus was clear that the church is to be salt and light. And you have to be around tasteless, dark people to be salt and light. So this isn't about completely shutting yourself off from foolish people. This is about who are your closest friends? Who are the people that are going to influence you the most? How do we do that? A couple questions I want to, again, just suggest when it comes to influences outside the home. Um, and I'm going to go with a dial theme, Okay. Some of you, if you're older than 35, you remember this, but remember the old radios where you had to dial it in just right? You didn't just hit a button, okay? Remember these? If you're younger than 30, ask your mom about it later, right? You had to dial it in, you had to get just right in order to get the signal. So I want us to think about doing that when it comes to influences on our kids outside of the home. And the first one has to do with making sure that they're not a companion of fools. The question is, is there someone I need to dial out? There's someone that I need to create some buzz and some noise so they don't hear them as well? Is there somebody, my son, my daughter, that has influence in their life that I need to dial out? And this is especially for those of us who have kids who are still at home, where we still have some control over where they go and who they're around and what they spend money on and, where, and those, those different um, environments that they spend in. While I still have some influence over that, are there some voices, are there some people that I should be more intentional about dialing out of their life? Is there someone I need to dial out? Um, this may be an unpopular opinion, but I think parents need to make it hard for kids to go certain places and be with certain people. I think there's just some things. If you're not feeling great about that individual, if you're not feeling great about that group of people, I think you need, need to make it hard for them to go there. Now, question. Will they throw a fit Everybody together, yes, they absolutely will. But you know that their friends will determine the direction and quality of their life. You know that's true. You're on the other side of it. You've experienced it in your own life. You've seen it work. So wisdom says that we should say no, and we should take a little verbal abuse every now and then. Now to save them from relational disaster later. We should make it hard. I, I remember my parents. Um, my parents would let me go certain places with certain people, and I would ask to go to the exact same place with other people, and they wouldn't let me go. And it drove me batty. So frustrated. I was, I was angry at times because they didn't, they're, they're inconsistent, Right? But I didn't understand this principle at that point. I didn't understand that my friends will determine the direction and quality of my life. They made it difficult for me to be with certain people. They were 
dialing out certain influences in my life. Now, whether they did that intentionally or not, I don't really know. I should probably ask someday. But they, they made it difficult for me to be with certain people. I think we need to do that with our kids. You say, Tim, um, that kind of sounds like manipulation. It is. It absolutely is. But one of the definitions for manipulation is skillful or artful management. Look it up. <laughs> skillful or artful management. That's exactly what we're doing. Hey, did you know you don't own your children? You're a manager of your children? Psalm 127.3 says that children are a gift from God. That means he's given them to you for a time to skillfully, to artfully manage. That's your job as their parent. And if it takes a little manipulation, go for it. Skillfully, artfully manage them. A companion of fools suffers harm. So there's some influences I need to dial out. That's the, that's the negative side of influences outside the home. But there's a much more positive side to this. So I'm going to spend the majority of our time talking about that. The first part of the proverb says, walk with the wise and become wise. Walking is just another way in Hebrew language of saying living, doing life with, spending time around. You do life with, you spend time around the wise on a consistent, regular basis, and you become wise. That's what Solomon is getting at here. So, if friends determine direction and quality of our life and those who walk with the wise become wise, the second question I'm just going to ask is, is there someone I need to dial in? There's someone I need to dial in. Like, I don't want to just be reactive in my parenting. Every parent does that. Every parent sees something bad, sees something negative, and we react. I want to be proactive. I want to be so proactive that I'm dialing in certain influences that should be in my kids' Life. So sometimes it's about making it hard for them to be around certain people. Other times it's about making it easier for them to be around certain people. As an example, I will never ground my children from coming to tandem. Never. Did you guys hear that? Are you listening? I'm never going to do that. Why? Because I want them to be around wise people. I want them to hear God's word preached over and over and over and over again. And I'm like Paul. In, in, in Philippians 1, I don't necessarily care who's preaching the gospel, just as long as it's being preached and they're there to hear it. I want them consistently in that environment. As Pastor Josh said last week, it is my responsibility to disciple my children. It is not Faith's responsibility. It is not Pastor Faith's, it is not Pastor Nikki's responsibility to disciple my kids. It is Jana and I's responsibility to do that. But there's coming a day in some way, some shape, some form, or I'm going to be on the outside looking in. And when that happens, you better believe I'm going to have undercover operatives in their life. You better believe I want other people outside of my wife and I who are saying the same things to them that I would be saying to them if they could hear me. And that means I just have to be proactive. I have to be intentional. I want to dial certain people in. Um, I heard a dad, I have tremendous respect for, years ago tell a story um, about a rough patch that he was having with his, with his son. He was 16, 17-year-old, and um, there, he, he wasn't necessarily doing anything wrong. He just, he and his dad weren't on the same page. They weren't connecting very well. Um, it kind of felt like his son was hiding things from him, but it found out later on it wasn't it. But he, he just sat down with his son 
went, went to his room, sat down. He said, son, I need to know what's going on. I, I, I'm not going to be mad. I'm not going to get upset at you. You're not in trouble for anything. I just need to know what's going on in your heart. And the son looked at him and said, I can't tell you. <laughs> and the dad's like, uh, yes, you can. You've got to tell me what's going on. And his son looked at him and he said, dad, I can't tell you because you make the rules. And his dad, he just kind of taken back by that. What? Yeah, I know I make the rules. I'm the dad, but what does that have to do with you talking to me? And they, they went through that conversation, and it basically just came down to he, he couldn't talk about some of these things with his dad because his dad was on the outside looking in. And his dad finally said, okay, if you can't talk to me, who can you talk to? And the son started listing off his small group leaders at church. He said, I can talk to these individuals. And he said, then go talk to them right now. If you can talk to them, as long as you're talking to somebody that is wise, as long as you're talking to somebody who I trust, as long as you're talking to somebody who's going to speak truth from God's perspective into your life, go talk to them. And they worked through that situation. They worked through that rough patch. But what I want you to hear is that dad was intentional. He was wise about putting people in his son's life before he needed. See, I've been on the other end of this. I've been on the other side of this numerous times. When I was in student ministry, Jan and I spent six years in student ministry. I had parents come to me often. They would say, my son, my daughter's in real trouble. Would you meet with them? And they never added this phrase, but what they meant was, and fix them. That's what they meant. That's what they wanted. And sometimes I didn't even know their kid. In some cases, I'd never met them. And I just, I just need you to hear, youth pastors don't have magic erasers or fairy dust to fix those kinds of things. They just don't. Sometimes I would have those conversations because I felt for the kid. Sometimes I had those conversations because I felt for the parents. But I would always walk away thinking, I needed to have a relationship with them before today. I needed to have some kind of influence with them before right now, before they needed it. And so, I'm, again, I'm on the other side of this. And I think we need to put trusted adults in the life of our kids before they need them so they're there when they need them. And that takes intentionality. So is there someone or is there some someones that you need to dial in? I want to show you just one picture. One picture of this from the Old Testament, I think it's incredibly powerful. It's from a story that many of you know. Uh, many of you have heard this before. But even, even if this is like your first time to church, your first time to watch online, you've heard of one of these characters before. Um, the, the story comes from a guy named Jesse. Jesse was a dad who had multiple sons, but the only one you're familiar with is David. Um, and in the Old Testament... God spoke through prophets. And at this point in the, the history of the Old Testament, the prophet was Samuel. And God sent Samuel to Jesse to anoint one of Jesse's sons as the next king of Israel. Saul was the king at the time. That was not working out. God said, we're going in another direction. And so he sent Samuel to talk to Jesse. I want, to, want you to watch what happens in the story, in the context of, of what we're talking about. First Samuel 16, starting in verse 5, says this, Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons, and invited them to the sacrifice. So this is a ceremony to select the next king of Israel. So Samuel tells Jesse, get all your sons, bring them in here. We're going to do this. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, 
Surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. Samuel sees the tallest, um, biggest, most handsome of the sons and says, that was easy. There he is, right there. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. God says, I'm not viewing selection process the same way you do, Samuel. I'm not looking at outward appearance. I'm not looking at what people normally look at. I'm actually looking at the heart. So Samuel, I need you with me to look at the heart of the individual. And then, verse 8, Then Jesse called Abinadab and had him pass in front of Samuel. They got a catwalk or a runway or something where they're all going here. But Samuel said, The Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then had Shema pass by, but Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen this one. He had all seven of his sons pass before Samuel. Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen any of these. And so he asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse answered. He is tending the sheep. Pause. Think about this. Think about this. Samuel tells Jesse, hey, One of your sons is going to be the next king of Israel. I want you to get them all together. And Jesse didn't even think enough of his youngest to have him come. He he didn't even think it would be worth it for David to come and watch. David, you go take care of the sheep. Me and your brothers, we're going to do the real stuff. Some of you have been that son. Some of you have been that daughter. That's your mom, your dad, your grandma, your grandpa, they overlooked you. But God doesn't look at the outward appearance. God looks at the heart. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent for him and had him brought in. He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. And so Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. Can you imagine what his brothers were thinking at that moment? And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Look at this picture. A dad that overlooked one of his sons. But Samuel, with the help of the spirit of God, sees David and says, I see God-sized potential in you. No, I see God in you. I see a plan. I see a purpose. I see a reason that God puts you on this earth. And if I'm being honest, I totally missed it, but God's spirit actually helped me see this in you. He's anointed in front of all of his brothers and the rest is history, right? There's power. There's so much power in another adult speaking into the life of your kids. There's power when another adult sees something in one of your kids that you might not be able to see. There's power in that. My question is, who are the modern-day Samuels speaking life into your kids? Who are the modern-day Samuels speaking life into your children? Who, who are the Samuels you need to dial in and start as young as you can Who are the modern-day Samuels you need to dial in? Or if you don't have kids at home, if you're an empty nester, you got grandkids, you got nieces, nephews, neighbor kids, maybe you've never had kids, what child sees you 
as a modern-day Samuel speaking into their life? What kid needs you to come along with the help of the Spirit of God and say, I see God in you. I see God-sized potential in you. I see God has a plan and a purpose for you. What kid around you needs to hear that from you? See, one of the ways I think we can keep our focus on God's better story is by pursuing those strategic relationships for our kids outside of the home. And that's, that's, that's actually what we're trying to do as a church. That's why we do family ministry the way we do it. Because we're trying to build relationships with your kids. So you, as a mom, as a dad, as a grandma, as a grandpa, as a single dad, a single mom, so you have other people speaking into the life of your kids. By the way, do you know that's happening right now? If you have kids here on site and you check them into Kids Point environments, that's happening in your kid's life right now. They're speaking truth and love and grace. They're teaching them the same things that you want your kids to be taught. That's what we're trying to do as a church. And we want to do that with as many kids as God possibly allows us to. So, so just like last week, just like the last couple weeks, give you a little bit of tool. You should have had one of these. In your worship folder, if you got a worship folder, if you didn't, make sure you grab one. If you don't, if there's none left, go to the Connection Center. This is uh, how to widen your family circle. I actually got this from Pastor Faith um, this week. And if you're a part of Tandem, if your kids are part of Tandem, you should have got an email from Pastor Faith with this attached to it. This is just a tool for you to use to figure out who's already a part of your greater circle. Who are the adults that are already in your kid's life that are helping them? that are helping you? How do you identify some of those people and, and then invite other people into that circle? And then how do you encourage those individuals? How, how do you make sure they continue to invest in your kids' life? This is just a tool, just something that you can take home and you can, you, you can work with. Who are the modern-day Samuels? Speaking into the life of your kids or what child views you as a modern-day Samuel? Because see, here's, 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 here's the big picture, right? I'll close with this. Parents are the most important influence in the life of their kids. That's absolutely true. I can make that case biblically. I can make that case psychologically. There's so much research around this that, that I think we can all agree with that. You are the most important influence in the life of your kid. But the second part is equally true. You are not the only influence in the life of your kid. You're not the only one. We weren't meant to raise our kids alone. We were designed to raise our kids in spiritual community. And if there's one thing that I've learned about the church over the last 15 years, if nothing else, take, take away everything else, take away the teaching on eternity, take away the things that, 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 the, that the church has done in our community, if nothing else, this church has helped me raise my kids. <laughs> you have helped me raise my kids. There are obvious things that I've seen in them, but then there's some unseen things. There's some supernatural stuff that you can't quite put your finger on, and that may freak some of you out, but it's true. There's some things outside of the realm of what we can see that's going on in the life of my kids, and that is available. That's available to you. As a parent, like God did not just bless you with kids and say, 
Good luck. He actually made provision for you. He actually put community around you to help and to cover and to encourage and to provide wisdom. And when your family chooses to be a part of that, when you choose to make that a part of your weekly rhythm, it's not just about going to church every week. It's not just about dropping them off downstairs so you can get to real church. It's not just about taking your kids to tandem on Wednesday night so you can go out and do whatever you want. It's, it, it, it's actually about teaching them to walk with the wise so they become wise. It's about teaching them. It's about helping you to put other godly influences around them. And I think God will do more with that weekly rhythm than I think we give him credit for. He does more with that than we can sometimes see. So I want you to hear something from your church, okay? Um, Because of my vantage point, because of where I sit, I get to hear all kinds of feedback. And and throughout the series, I've heard two different groups. I've heard more than two different groups, but I want you to hear from these two different groups, okay? The first group is those who have adult children. They're empty nesters. The other group I've heard from the most is those with, with kids at home, with young kids. And so if you have kids at home, if you have young kids at home especially, here's what the empty nesters want to say to you because they say it to me over and over again. They say to me, Tim, you are so right. Whenever you say the days are short and the years are long. You, 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 over and over, they want you to know if you have a young family, there's an urgency, there's an importance to what you're doing. They would say that you've only got so much time when your kids are under your roof to invest in who they are, who they're becoming, who God has made them to be. Some of them have, have talked to me about regrets, decisions they wish that they could go back and remake, or priorities they wish they could go back. And they want, they want you to know that they believe in you that they want you to know that they are behind you. They want you to know that they are really, really glad you're a part of this church. And they want you to know they don't want you to make the same mistakes that they made. So point your kids to Jesus and teach them to point others to Jesus. And get as many Samuels around you as possible to help you invest in the life of your kids. And then when I talk to young parents... They have something to say to you, empty nesters. They have something to say to you. They want you to know, as messy as it might be, as many layers as there might be in your relationship with your adult children, they don't want you to stop investing in them. Just because your kids are no longer under your roof doesn't mean that you don't have influence with them. And they want you to continue to point your 30-year-old, your 40-year-old, your 50-year-old, your 60-year-old kid to Jesus. They, they don't want you to give up. They want you to put out the welcome mat as often as possible. They want you to speak your wisdom into them. And they don't want you to give up. Keep speaking into the life of your kids, even when they are not in your home. See, The reason I told you that is because there's something powerful when a church rallies around family. There's something that that, that happens. And, And what if, 
What if we were that kind of church? What if we continued to be that kind of church that stood in the corner of families? What if we were the kind of church full of modern-day Samuels who believed in the God potential in each and every child? Because the truth is, our church, every church that has kids, is full of Davids waiting to be encouraged and invested in. Full of Davids waiting to be said, having, having a Samuel come along and say, I see something in you. Like, like, like there's something about God-sized potential in you that I see, and I just want to call it out. See, they, God sees potential in them. He does. The question is, will you and I, those of us who have walked with the wise a little bit longer than they have, will they be able to hear from us by dialing out certain influences, by dialing in certain influences? And as a family, as, as a nuclear family, we keep our focus, not on making the perfect family because I don't know what a perfect family is, but keep our focus on God's better story, on the story that God is writing in and through our families. So let me pray for you, and then um, Nikki has a couple things to share for you, and then we'll get out of here. Let me pray. Father in heaven, thank you. Um, thank you for the different families represented here, the different stages and phases that are represented here at Grace Point. We, we all find ourselves at different points, at different places, at different seasons. And we're also coming at this from completely different perspectives, all of us. Because family is not an emotionally neutral word. Um, so my prayer is, is simply that you would continue to help us be a place full of modern-day Samuels that are on the lookout for the Davids. That no matter what happens at home, if, if mom or dad is engaged and intentional or mom and dad are completely out of the picture, that this would be a place where, where kids from zero to 18 would, would know what it's like to walk around wise people and that they would become wise, that they would see and they would hear um, adults that love them, that care for them, that are walking by the Spirit that speaks God-sized potential into them, that we would love them well, that we'd view them as a gift from you. God, for the parent that that hears this and doesn't have any idea where to start, maybe, maybe feels a little bit guilty, God, would you give them the courage to just take a step? Would you provide them with the wisdom through your spirit and then give them the, the, the courage just to take a step and do one thing? Because I know they love their kids. I know they want to be intentional, but sometimes it's just difficult to put those two things together. So would you help us with this? Would you um, continue to make this place a place where kids and families are loved really, really well? And in the end, we'll give you the praise because this is, this is your church. We are reflecting a little bit of your heart and your kingdom here on this little patch of dirt called Topeka, Kansas. I love you, we praise you, and we ask all of this in Jesus' name.